Good morning. We had a great day yesterday. Bible college went to York, PA. I heard it was amazing. My son told me all about it. Uh, I think they, they just had a wonderful time with the church up there. And then not to be outdone, the teenagers also had a good day. We uh, had a Baltimore rally day and uh, got together, went to the Edgewood Church in the morning. Some of us went door knocking and on outreach. Some of us, some of us boys played a little game of football. And uh, then we had a, spent the whole day together on campus with food and fun and a great message from Pastor Love at night. Awesome time. Uh, turn with me to Amos, just a quick introduction, Amos chapter 8. This is a message that I want to preach to teenagers. I haven't done it yet. You get to hear it first. Uh, Maybe we'll go. Start, we'll go backwards. Start with verse 13, Amos chapter 8, verse 13. In that day shall fair virgins and young men faint for thirst. This is why I think this is a good message for teenagers. Young, strong, self-confident men, boys, and pure, got, you know, good uh, girls, let's say, um, shall faint. I think maybe in, our, in a church, in a Christian environment, growing up in the church, you know, we can have these kind of scenarios where we have good kids, they are strong, they are good, but something's wrong. They faint. Uh, in verse 12, if we're going backwards, they wander from sea to sea and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, and they shall not find it. Ouch. Is it possible to grow up in the church, to be a, a good teenager, love Jesus, Say all the, have the right vocabulary, not be crazy, but actually be wandering, be lost, have serious problems, uh, maybe have anxieties and be depressed, uh, maybe even suicidal thoughts. No clue, no clue. Why? Why? Well, we know this beautiful verse in verse 11. Behold, a day shall come when the Lord God... When the, uh, saith the Lord God that I will send a famine to the land, not of bread nor of thirst of water. This is much worse. This is much worse. God has used curses throughout the entire Old Testament uh, with invasions and disease and with famines. And in this world, you can have a famine. We can have a, in this life, we can have a famine. We can be, we can be broke. Or we can be have an illness, or we can be suffering. There can be all kinds of problems that can happen, but there is there is a problem that is much worse, a famine that is much much worse. Hearing of the word of the Lord. Um, this is really a, an issue with our young people. They are. Is it is it that God is stopped speaking? No way, no way. It can't happen. That's impossible. Uh, God doesn't change. He's always speaking. Nature, even here back in Amos, you know, nature is there speaking very loudly. God is there. God does not change. You know, I, I remember when I was, uh, when, when my kids were teenagers, uh, 
I realized that I didn't have to say so much anymore. They already knew what I was going to say. You know, we, we, by the grace of God, we did a few things right, and I didn't need a lot of words. Just my presence alone, you know, sometimes would change their behavior, you know. Uh, you know, like, like you're speaking very loudly uh, even when you're not. And what about God? Could God be silent? No way. He was not silent. He's loud and clear. His nature is loud and clear. He comes with the volume of the book. His depth speaks to our depths. His wisdom is speaking to us. Uh, he is, he is, his truth is very loud, like a trumpet blaring in our ears all the time. Um, you know, he is audible. His holiness is here. And we are aware of it. Uh, when we have the ears, this is not an issue with God. It's the heart of a teenager or even my heart. I could walk into this church, into this chapel, and not hear the word. That it would be actually very loud, but not really receiving. You know, Psalm 19, where it says that the line will stretch out throughout all the world. You know, the word of God will stretch out and it will be heard everywhere. In every language, it says it will be heard. It will be spoken. But in a cold heart, it will not be received. And, um, you know, uh, we need the word of God not only to be so clearly audible, but received in our hearts. And our young people, and even our, our, me and you here today, we need to hear the word. Our ears need to be ready, and we need to receive the word so that we do not faint, so that we do not, do not count on our goodness or our, our strength, but that his word will be received in our hearts. Imagine not being able to receive God's word. What a horrible curse. What a horrible thing to happen to a human being. To not know about his love. To not know about his grace. To not know, like Psalm 23 or other beautiful verses that tell us so much. And it's possible. Here it's warning us that in the end days, today, you know, you could come to church and not receive this word. And I have this, there's always this little beautiful little thought uh, that A.B. Simpson talks about a little mouse that goes into the cathedral. He, he, you know, he wanders into the cathedral, and uh, he has no eyes for the beautiful glass or the beautiful ceiling or the arches or the columns or the structure or the engineering behind it. No clue of what's going on there. And the little mouse has no ears to hear the beautiful choir or the incredible sermon uh, that is being preached in the cathedral, uh, he is focused on the little crumbs on the floor. That's his life. That's his little life. And uh, I worry about our kids. I worry about our teenagers. Are they grasping the word of God, or is there a famine in their life? That's, the, that's our job, to try to wake them up and give them eyes and ears to hear and receive the beautiful word of God so that they will not faint and they will rely on Jesus. Amen. Amen. Uh, turn to Galatians chapter 1, verse 4. I liked what Pastor Pete said about the trifles. Well, let me write down a couple 
a couple of uh, thoughts here. Infant and infinite. What is that? The infinite becomes an infant. It's Christmas. Christmas is coming. Are there any, was it Grinches? <laughs> any Grinches in the room? Uh, stealing Christmas. The world steals Christmas. But the infinite God became an inf- uh, infant born in Bethlehem. Um, trifles, another word. Um, trifles, I have a piece on that. The small things, right? The small things in life. Aren't there, uh, he mentioned the mouse. Wasn't that a good illustration? The mouse in this big cathedral, the mind of the engineer, the architect, the worshipers, and then the mind of the mouse. How many of you have had the mind of a mouse this past week? And it's, it's, it's all right, Psalm 119, I believe it's 113, verse 113, I hate vain thoughts. And sometimes in my thinking, I might say in my heart, Lord, these thoughts are so low. They're so low. Come on. Renew my mind. Refresh in me. Lead me in worship where our thoughts are, are, are large, meaningful, valuable. Isn't that true? But we can be buried in trifles. And this is in, uh, well, we're going to say a few different things and see how they go together. Uh, But um, I have a little piece about a burial of a very rich man. It's kind of funny. A wealthy Texan. We have Texas Greg down front here. It definitely wasn't him. <laughs> was being buried in style. According to the instructions written in his will, he was propped up behind the wheel of his solid gold Cadillac. The car was poised before a large grave excavated in the prairie. On signal, the brakes were released, the lavish automobile, and the owner, who was dead inside, rolled gently down the incline into the grave. As it drifted to a stop and the dust settled, one spectator said in awe, Man, that's living. (laughs) Yeah, isn't it? Isn't it crazy how I've got, I've got a couple points here. First of all, uh, here's, a, here's, a, here's just a, a, a simple common person and how his life can be filled with trifles, small details of life, and then ideas that are very small and very narrow and cannot deliver us. Very small living. The mind of a mouse 
eating to survive, but not really knowing the big picture. You and I, by God's grace, we have that capacity to get real small, worried. You put a lot of words here, worried, uh, afraid, um, small-minded, judgmental, accusatory, fearful, uh, ashamed, withdraw. And by the way, I read, I was reading last night about how kings, the kings of Israel, did fall away later in their life. Not not all of them, but some of them did. So you have a you have a king doing doing really well, very wise. His name was Solomon, and then then the down the downward direction of a of a wise king. And um, then you read uh, about Asa was another one at the end of his life. Um, there was one more too. I was thinking about how 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 we all can reduce our life to something very small, and also lies uh, about God. How how people can lie about God? We can lie. And this is in the book of Galatians, actually. The Galatians did forsake, leave. And Paul was amazed that you could. It's right here in our first chapter. Let's look at the text here uh, for a moment. Uh, Chapter 1, verse 4 is a powerful verse. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Let's say that together uh, once a couple times. Let's say verse 4. Ready? One, two, three. Who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God our Father and our Father. All right, one more time who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Let's go back here. This is the present evil world right here. The trifles, the life without God, the misconception of God, the worry, and the fears of life. The present evil world. The world wants to keep us Reduced to our sin, our habits, our small-mindedness, our misconceptions, our deception. The world is like that. But the word there is deliverer. So let's look at it this way. Here, here you are, here we are in our small world. And then the word, it says he delivers us from this present evil world. And the word deliver there is rescue. And it's the same for uh, uh, Joseph in Egypt. He was rescued uh, in the book of Acts chapter 7. Also, uh, when Peter was in jail by Herod in Acts 12 verse 1, uh, he was rescued by an angel. 
You could say plucked out of a burning building, rescued out from the ocean, uh, from drowning, uh, rescued. Somebody came and rescued you and I. And that is what God has done for us through Christ. It's called the gospel. We're going to look at that in a minute. But go to um, the lying part about what happens in the world. Verse 6. I marvel you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. I'm amazed at how Solomon was backslidden. I'm amazed that that pastors and leaders and others. What what you wonder why did this happen to Solomon? I mean, here 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 it is. He had the women that he married. We know that, but also was there pride in his heart before the fall? And uh, can success bring pride into our hearts? Uh, success in life, maybe wealth had something to do with Solomon's fall and his backslidden state. And what, what happens in um, the world and what, the, what happens to um, the Galatians here is they were so soon removed from this amazing message of the gospel. So what is the gospel that is so great we have here we are we are moving from a small world to a larger one. We could maybe make the picture like this. We go from from our worry, our trifles, our our world uh, to the gospel. This is Christmas time coming, and we celebrate this amazing gospel message. Where does the word gospel come from in our Old Testament? The word gospel, it's a good word. It's Isaiah 40. Turn with me there. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for every listening ear, Lord. Thank you. Isaiah 40. I have the... Here we go. We have you, you, EU is good in the Greek, Angelian. This is the word in the Greek, gospel. It is good news. The Apostle Paul used it 60 times in his, in his, Writings. We love Pastor Shabelli's teaching and how Pastor Shabelli makes it so clear. The gospel. He's so right. The gospel. This is such a unique thing in the world. The gospel, the good news. And it's here in Isaiah in chapter 40. Verses um, 1 and 2 and then 9 and 10. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably 
to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, for she has received of the Lord's hand double for all her sins. Now this in the history we have the Jews uh, in a lot of trouble because of their sin, but God comforting them with the gospel. And he's going to say something here. He speaks comfortably to Jerusalem, and I love that about God. He is so kind. He is so gentle. He is so gracious. He understands us. I like the idea here, Psalm 103, he pities us like a father pities his children. He knows our frame, that we're made of the dust. He knows we're under the curse of sin. We have lost him. He knows how trifling, how the trifles, how small-minded we can be and suffer for it. And he's saying, I will. I have good news for you. I have something unique. It's not the gods of this world. It's something very different, very unique. And by the way, you and I are so troubled about our culture and about the condition of the world. But make a note of this. This is when they need a message. This is when they need the gospel. This is when they are looking. It's when they are searching. It's when they say, does anybody have anything better? Is there another message? Is there something better? Is there, is it, come on, talk to me. Is there something better? I'm not telling it to you. I'm saying, come on, like this is the world, the people in the world that are saying, you know, they just give up maybe. There isn't any. Is there any answer? So Paul, so God is saying this. We, the, I, I could literally read the whole chapter. It makes sense to us, but but um, because of the the, the the message, we won't. But look at verse nine. O Zion, that bringest good tidings. There it is. That's the euangelion, the gospel. Zion, the good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, behold your God. Mm. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hands, and his arms shall rule for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his work before him. Read one more time, verse 9. O Zion, that bringest good tidings, get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that brings good tidings, that brings the gospel. All right? What is it? We have First Timothy 3.15. Now, yeah, I would, if you want Sunday afternoon Bible reading, this is what I recommend. This chapter, read it many times, chapter 40, Isaiah 40. Read it many times and look at who God is. He tells us how good he is. Look at verse 11. He feeds his flock like a shepherd. 
He gathers the lambs with his arm. Does that sound like Jesus? He carries them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Does that sound like God? Who is like G- who is Jesus is God coming with the gospel, the good news to bad, to people in trouble, bad people, small minded people, little mice in the cathedral type of people, us people worried, afraid, guilty. And then we have our little gods, by the way. We have these little gods around us that we make, these little things that are around us that are that are little. And then God is saying, I have something for you. You cannot imagine what I have for you. I have something for you. And who am I? Well, I will tell you who I am. Look at verse we'll look at verse um Verse 11, he's this amazing shepherd who is so kind and gentle. But verse 12, he holds the oceans in the hollow of his hand. Verse 12, he has the Pacific Ocean. Anybody know how deep the Pacific Ocean is? Seven miles deep. Do you know what an ocean is? And he holds it in the hollow of his hand. He's a shepherd with a little lamb, holding a little lamb. There's God. And then he is God of the cosmos, holding the ocean and the stars. Look at verse 12. Meted out the heaven with a span. What's a span? A span is this. And a man's hand, a span is from here. This is a span. This is a cubit. From here to here is a cubit. This is a span. To God, the whole physical universe is nothing but a small space like this kind. This is God. Amen? This is our God who gives us good news, who tells us about salvation, what he did for us. Look at verse um Verse 13, who has directed the spirit of the Lord, who has directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor has taught him. Who has taught God? Who has given directions to God? Remember God talking to Job and said, Job, have you been where death is? Have you been, have you, can you go to the ocean and say, wait a minute, the border is going to be here. Here shall your proud waves be stayed. Job, you are a very small person. You're worried about so many things. You're cre- I created you, but not, not so that you would be proud, but that you would be humble So and know me. Look at verse 14. Whom took he counsel? Who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment? So here we are worshiping God. We're reading about God. The nations... Verse 15, or a drop of the bucket. Palestine, Hamas, Hezbollah, Iran, Russia, United States, Israel, Vietnam, China. These are a drop in the bucket. We are so worried about nuclear proliferation and we're worried about inflation and the collapse of our economy and so on. And yes, yes, look at, look at this. That's true. That's true. All of these things are real. But then 
Is there good news? Is there the gospel? Is there the revelation of God? Is God with Joseph in Egypt? Is God speaking to Israel? Has he ever forsaken Israel? Is God the comforter? Is God the one that gives us promises? Is God the one that will carry us? Is God the one that anoints us and gives us freshness and love for each other and divine purpose? And this is this chapter is all about it. So I, I direct you to this chapter. It's like he talks about the trifles in verse 18 and 19. To whom then will you liken God, verse 18? Or what likeness will you compare him? Then he gives a little silly little thing, like we should catch the silliness about the workman that melts a graven image. The goldsmith spreads it over with gold, and, and they worship it. Verse 21, have you not known, have you not heard, has it not been told you from the beginning, have you not understood from the foundation, it is he that sits upon the circle of the earth. Verse 23, it brings princes to nothing. Verse 25, to whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal? saith the Holy One. That should just catch our hold of us and just say, yes, we are called to God. This is the living God, isn't it? He is the one. Will you faint? Look at verse 31. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Are you going to be a little mouse in a cathedral? Yes. Maybe all my life, little mouse in the cathedral thinking only about the breadcrumbs. Yes, but then it says here, but they that mount, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. Here is the blessing of the gospel. It enlarges us, it enlarges our hearts enlightens our minds, helps us to love, helps us to forgive, helps us to believe, to worship, and to follow Jesus. Because Jesus is the expression of this God. And this was written 700 years before Jesus came. But it's all about him. And then when when he came, it reinforces the prophet The prophet is saying there are good tidings. And at his birth, remember the angels as saying, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, right? But this peace is not a political peace. It is not just like psychologically getting along and finding some kind of, this is a peace that is a deep peace. For God is the God of peace. Remember, peace be unto you, Jesus said. After the resurrection, a peace that is satisfying, goodwill towards men, peace on earth in you and in me, peace, the peace of God. Okay, let's finish up and read the gospel. 
And here it is in 1 Timothy 3. If you were to say, if you were to say uh, to somebody, I, I have the gospel. I want to uh, share with you the gospel. What would you say? There's different things you could say, and this is one of them. And it is all about Jesus Christ. This is First Timothy 3.16. What is the good news? What is the good news? What is it? You know, is it man? Do the best you can and things will work out for you. What is the good? No, that's no, that's not good news. But work hard. You'll succeed at anything you do. Put your hand to it. No, no. Okay, okay. But do you have anything extraordinary, incredible, beyond us, amazing? Verse, chapter 3, verse 16. And without controversy, that means really... It can't be contested. It can't be, really, it cannot be, um, it's just simply controverted. It can't be changed. It's like simply, this is the way it is. Actually, I shared that evangelizing somewhere, somewhere recently on this word, verily, verily. I say unto you, I think I was in the steam room. <laughs> Actually, I was. And I said, somebody said, what's the difference between all the religious leaders? I go, well, I'll tell you one thing, that all of them are speculating except one. And he never said, I think it's this way, or try this, or for me, this works. But he was beyond all that. And he said, I will tell you, verily, verily, that means truly, truly. It means absolutely. I came from heaven. I'm telling you how it is. There's no question about it. It can't be changed. It can't be water. This is the reality. I'm telling you the reality. Isn't that amazing? That's what God did for us. Verse 16 Without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. So we have the word mystery here. It's a very good word. One of my favorite words, actually, mystery. I love it. G.K. Chesterton said that always in life there's something thrown in there that just can't, like, it's not congruent with other things. It's just something thrown in there. And he gave an example. He said, in the human body, you have an ear here, ear here, eye here, arm here, arm here. here. So when it comes to the heart, you'd expect there'd be a heart, heart here and a heart here. But it isn't. It's, our heart isn't even in the middle. It's just to this left a little bit. And he's saying that that, like, illustrates how God is. Like God made the world, there is reason and there is logic and then there is the mystery. Like life is like that. 
like we expect everything to be reasonable and logical, and then suddenly there is a mystery, and that is good for the mouse. The mouse feeding on crumbs. For in, in, in using that, that as a, just as an analogy to say that human beings are made to be more like angels than to be like animals. We are made to be worshipers. We are made to say there is a mystery. I want to know about it. I want to know what is the mystery. Verse uh, 16, it's the mystery of godliness. And what is that? God was manifest in the flesh. You stop there, and you can stay there your whole life. God. What? God. You know, in theology schools and sometimes in rap sessions and when we're talking, you know, we might say there is the humanity of Jesus and the deity of Jesus, and they are one. It's called the hypostatic union. Then who died on the cross? God died on the cross. Well, how could God die? God didn't die. It was the humanity of Jesus that died, right? Would the humanity of Jesus die? No, he was God. God died on the cross. How could God die? He did. He did. However you want to explain it, you try to package that in your mind, and it should blow your mind. Because this is the mystery of godliness. This isn't something we can figure out. Got it done. I got it all done. We met those. We meet people, and, and we've been that way ourselves. This is a joy to us. And the angels were also blown away in in the meaning of they saw, they sang, that the shepherds were there, that God was manifest in the flesh, number one. Number two, justified in the spirit. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit was all over Jesus. Psalm 22 says, even in his mother's womb, he had fellowship with the Father. Even when he was in the womb, he was in fellowship. Wow. When Mary said to Gabriel, let it be unto me according to your word, it says, the Gabriel said to her, that the Holy Spirit will come upon you. What will, what will happen? Holy Spirit will come upon you, and that holy thing that is born in you, conceived in you, shall be called the Son of God. Wow. Jesus came, and the Holy Spirit was the one that, gave the, that brought him into the world using her womb and her genealogy for his humanity was related to King David as Mary was and Joseph was too. Legally, he was an important part of it, though biologically he was not, but legally he was of the seed of David as well. And then um, when Jesus was uh, water baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him and said, 
This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And then when he opened the scripture in Isaiah in Luke four twenty-two, and he spoke. He spoke with authority, Luke four thirty-two, not as the scribes and the Pharisees, but he had he spoke with power. In his ministry you see the Spirit. He was the Holy Spirit was using him to say Hello, goodwill, good news, the gospel. And by the way, I haven't met, and I've traveled a lot in the world, a lot of places, Buddhist countries, Hindu countries, a lot of countries. I never find, a Buddhist has never come to me to evangelize. A Hindu has never come to me to try to convert me to Hinduism. A Jew has never come to me to convert me to Judaism. But a Christian has come to me to convert me to Christ. Huh? What about that? Why? Because what's these are those other messages more like trifles? Or just life as we know it, like with our, our all of our baggage. But is there something from outside us that gospel is good news for God? Says, comfort ye, comfort ye, my, my people. I will speak comfortably unto you. I bring you good tidings from Zion. Good tidings. For I am God and there is no one like me. Oh boy, isn't that good? Let's finish up. Chapter 3, verse... Uh, 16, scene of angels. Angels saw him at his birth. Angels saw him when he was baptized. Angels saw him, Luke, John 1, 51. He said to Nathaniel, angels, you will see angels coming and going upon the Son of Man. He was seen of angels, and angels ministered to him in Gethsemane, and they ministered to him in Mark chapter 1 in the wilderness when he was tempted 40 days. Go to the next one. Preached unto the Gentiles. We see this happening in the Gospels in some measure, the centurion, the Gentiles, not the Jews, but the Gentiles. But he was believed by all the people, both ultimately to make this, ultimately all through our history, we are preaching Christ to the Gentiles. And the Koreans have gotten, and Russians, and Chinese, and all nations are hearing this message. And it's not a trifle. It's exceedingly profound. It is that God came here to show us that he has goodwill toward us and to save us, to change our heart and mind. We have a young man who's in our youth group, and, I, and he, he had tr- struggles. We talked to him yesterday, the night before, Friday night. Wow, it was such a good word, what has happened to him and how his life has changed. By God's grace. Seen of angels, preached on unto the Gentiles, believed on in the world, and received up into glory. We'll end there.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for the gospel. It is the power of God unto salvation. Our people that are addicted in some ways, fascinated with all the trifles of life, all of the chapter, the social media pages and the likes and dislikes. I don't even know. I'm in, I'm in another generation. I don't even know what is, but, and I don't really care, but, but I'm sad. I'm sad that that's all that they've got. That's all they've got. They've got death at the end of the road with no message. That's all they've got. They've got maybe they want to have a good life, have some money, have a good life. That's all. No, no, you, you, no, it's, no, this is amazing. Impress it upon us, Lord. May we embrace it with our hearts, with the joy of it, the reality of it, that we have a walk with you. Yes, Lord. And then someone listening today, come to Jesus as you are by faith. The good news is that Christ died to take your sins away, and they are many. They are many. Christ came to save you from hell, to save you from yourself, to save you from your badness, to save you even from your goodness to save you from your smallness. He came into the world to give you a new life and, and save you and forgive you and put your name in the book of life. Come to Jesus today and say, Lord Jesus Christ, I put my trust in you, in your name by faith. Amen.